This morning we will be in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. If you want to follow along in the bulletin, there is an outline there to help you do that. Acts 2, 42 through 47. They, this is the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A couple of months ago, we had a gathering uh, that all of you were invited to um, not all of you were able to attend, but it was our uh, annual leadership summit. And about once or twice every single year, we try to get everyone together and we talk about um, what does it mean for us to be leaders in our church, in our community, in our homes? How can we grow in that? And then we spend some time, every time, talking about leadership in specific for the church and where we see the church going. And our theme for that evening was, hey, what have we heard? In 2018, our theme was to listen for the voice of God. And so the question in the room among us was, what have we heard? If we've been listening for the voice of God all year, we would expect that he would speak to us. And so what have we heard? And so we spent a bunch of time in small groups around tables talking about what are the things that have, that we have heard within our church? What are the things that, that God sort of is inspiring or is, is just exciting for us? What do we think we can't live without here at Big Sky Christian Fellowship? And, and out of that meeting together, there were at least three big priorities that became apparent. Had everybody in those groups write down all of their priorities and all of their desires, wishes, what they had heard from God, and I collected them. And there was at least three big priorities. And so what we're going to do for the next three weeks, this week, next week, and the next, is talk about those big priorities, those big purposes for the year. I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy. Anybody sat at a New Year's resolution? Yeah? Nobody? Thank you. You did? Okay. That's good. I hope you keep it. I'm good with that. My problem is I don't, right? I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose 20 pounds in 2019. And then I'm just like, no, I'm not. Like by February, by February, I'm happy if it's 10, right? So, I mean, um, but I am one of those guys who says I like goals. And I like, I like setting a direction. And I like having purpose, right? And I like having priorities for my life. And I think that God uh, is a God of purpose. And he's a God who wants us to have purposes as well. So in the next three weeks, let's explore these three purposes together. And the first one is community. Community. One of the things that became apparent 
throughout this meeting. It wasn't super surprising to me was the need for community. I get a lot of these kind of emails where somebody says, hey, I'm in town seasonally. What do you have for me to connect with? It's kind of hard to connect in this town. How do I connect? How do I find community here, right? We have people who are here all the time and they would say, hey, I heard about some of these life groups that you got going on. What is that all about? How can I get into community? And so today we want to unpack community. Community, if you take the word and break it apart, uh, is made up of two words, common and unity. Common and unity, which you would think, okay, that makes sense, right? Community is comprised of those who are unified around a common purpose, around something in common. So if you like to ski or snowboard, right? You're probably part of a ski or snowboard community, right? You are unified around a common love or interest or pursuit. You love skiing together. So when you're with other skiers, you talk about skiing. And when you're with other snowboarders, you talk about snowboarding and, and what runs you're going to go on and what runs you're going to ruin. I mean, no, that's not true. Um, no, that's, that, was a, that was an unfair diss on snowboarders. I love you. I own one, but I haven't used it in a long time. Okay. Um, so we have these areas of common unity, right? And, and, and maybe it's your age, right? You, you get around people your own age who uh, have grandkids, and so you get to talk about your grandkids, or you get around young families, and you sit around and you talk about like this whole parenting mess, and or it's or you're around uh, you know young singles or twenties and thirties, and you're talking about hey, what am I going to do with my life? Or you're you're in college and you're, you're getting ready to go to Haiti with a bunch of friends, and like you're, you have these common goals, these communities that naturally come in your life. But but here's something I want to say. I, I think community, common unity, is actually very, very difficult to find. Real deep, significant unity, common unity, is really, really hard to find. In fact, I think in our day and age, it's actually quite uncommon to find community, right? I think it's uncommon to find community, I think, I think we have a, a difficult time in our day and age more than in some communities, more than in some cultures, finding true and deep and lasting and meaningful community, right? Because we, we like us. We do. We like the big me. And we live in a society that loves the big me and likes to take care of the big me and likes to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. And as long as I'm happy, then it's all good. And to compound that, we live in or are visiting or live part of the year in Montana, where cowboys are from. And cowboys, classically, right, they don't need anybody. They need a horse and they need some cows and that's all they need, right? I mean, we have this incredibly individualized culture and then compounded on this. Right? Some of us live here for a year. Some of us live here for six months and then we're not here the rest of the year. Some of us live here for three years. We think we're going to live here for the rest of our life and then we suddenly move. Like, we have a transient community. And so because of that, right, we have people coming and going and coming and going and transitioning. And there's all, like, let's be honest, some, some of us who are, or would consider yourself a local in the room, you're a little even jaded about this, right? Like new people come into town and you're like, yeah, you ain't going to be here a year from now, right? Right? Be honest, right? So, so how do we find community if it's uncommon? 
Because it's, it's hard. It's hard. Creating community uh, happens uh, when we put, this is the next point in your outline, it happens when we put the we before the me. Once again, this is hard. We like putting the me before the we, but true community happens when you put the we before the me. And right now you're getting an insight into how I coach high school basketball, okay? <laughs> so some of you were, were cheering a little at the game because there was a little to cheer about in the first quarter and then it was like effort. That's what we were cheering for, right? Um, <laughs> the scoreline wasn't so great. Um, uh, but I, I have the pleasure of coaching the high school team, and one of the things I've been saying to them throughout the year is we need to be about the we rather than the me. And when you make me decisions on the court or me decisions off the court, it affects the we. And it doesn't usually affect it in a positive way. What you need to be doing is considering the we before the me. You need to stop thinking about when am I going to get my shot? When is this game going to be my game? And you need to start thinking about how can we succeed however we can succeed. In fact, you know, we're one in seven um, <laughs> and not a great start for first time basketball coach. Um, hopefully I'm not getting fired this week, but, um, <laughs> but, but I said to them after our, one of our last losses, I said, it's an opportunity for you guys because in these moments, it's really easy to point fingers. It's really easy to say, well, if they just did this, if he just pulled his weight, if he just rebounded, if he stopped shooting so much, if he stopped dribbling so much, yada, yada, yada. And it's easy to put the me before the we. And so the challenge to you guys is in a tough season, I said, is to put, continue to put the we before the me, because this is what gives us true community. And this is what we're called to. Right? Here's the important reminder. We are the church. We are the church. Um, Francis Chan, anybody heard of this guy, Francis Chan? Was a pastor in Simi Valley, California. Uh, very quickly in, in the early 2000s, uh, grew a huge church. Like, they, they built a 200-seater, then a 400-seater, then a 1,000-seater, then a 3,000-seater, and they just kept filling them up and filling them up and filling them up and filling them up. And he kind of came to a crisis of faith and said, hey, what can we do with all this money and all, all this time and, and all these resources if we, if we put it directly into the kingdom instead of this, these huge mortgages? and all this staffing and and eventually he just walked away from it all and he said God has given me a a bit of a new vision for all this and he wrote a book that I'm, I'm reading right now called Letters to the Church Letters to the Church and in it he compares the church to a gang and I love this a gang Right? So he's got this one elder in his church who found Jesus in prison, which is a great place to find Jesus, right? He found Jesus in prison. But the problem was he was part of a gang and he recognized as he was reading scripture that in order to follow Jesus, he was going to have to forego the gang. And when he realized he was going to have to forego the gang, he was really, really concerned because the gang was his community. They took care of him. They, they were always had his back. They, they were his people. And in order to, to go into this whole Jesus thing, he had to forego a whole bunch of things that they were a part of, right? That Jesus would not have approved of, right? 
And so he said, I don't understand though why our churches don't act more like gangs. So I don't understand why churches talk about going to church on Sunday. Right? In the first century, in, in Acts here, nobody would have said, hey, are you guys going to church? Which one are you going to? The 9 o'clock, the 11 o'clock, the 6 o'clock, the 4 o'clock? Which one are you going to? Like, which, which pastor are you listening to? Is it, how good is he? Is he good? Is he bad? Is he not so good? Did he have a bad week last week? Hey, how were the songs this week? Were they good? Were they like the songs you like? Or like, oh, were they those hymns? Oh, those are boring. Or like, did they have pews? Or did they have seats? Or like, how many people could they fit in there? Like, what was going, did they have smoke machines and lasers? Right? What did they have? Like, the, and the, the crazy thing is these are conversations that we actually have. Right? That's the crazy thing. I mean, what's nice in Big Sky is that we have one evangelical church. So that's us. So like, if you like, don't, you like, if you like a Lutheran flavor or like Episcopal flavor, you got another place to go. If you got Catholic flavor, you got a place to go. If you got evangelical flavor, you're like, I got this one. And then I got a 45 minute drive down the canyon, right? Right? And that's actually really helpful for us. It's really helpful for us. <laughs> and it's actually helpful for you because it makes you embrace that we are the church. There's things you don't like about this service. Hey, some of you, prayer time's too long. That, that's okay. It's not about the me, it's about the we. Some of you, on some weeks, don't like the songs. That's okay. It's not about the me, it's about the we. Some of you get frustrated by how we run things, or how this works, or how this doesn't work. That's okay. It's not about you. It's about the we, not the me. And where does Francis Chan, where does Francis Chan get this from? Where do I get this from? Well, well we get it, by and large, from the early church in the book of Acts. And that's what we want to spend a little time looking at this morning. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, uh, 42 through 47, we want to take some time to look at. Um, and, and, and here's what we want to look at. Six aspects of the Acts 2 church. So let's uh, open this and look at it and see what we can learn. Number one, they were a learning community. So it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So they were being taught, which means they were what? Learning. Good. They were learning, right? That's what we're doing here. And this building actually functions really well. When I actually do sermons on community, I wish I could like turn the seats towards each other so you could look at each other and I would stand in the middle and then we would have a different semblance of that. But this is lecture hall. That's just how it is. And, and if I get too wrapped up in that, then I pick the me over the we. Isn't that interesting? Okay. But listen, it's a lecture hall. If, if you're wondering why the pews are uncomfortable, it's because they were designed that way. I'm not kidding. I, I, I'm not kidding. It's not, that's not even a joke. Seriously. So listen, when they invented pews, they put them at angles that were not helpful for you to fall asleep in. Although some of you do it pretty well, right? But they, they made them uncomfortable on purpose so that you would pay attention, so that you would listen to the sermon, so that you would learn, 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 right? This isn't community. You're not looking at each other. You're not having a conversation. There's a, a monologue going up here and you get to laugh a little bit and maybe I'll interact with some of you at some point here, but we're in a learning facility, right? 
Like everything about this says, hey, look here, learn here. I'm up, I'm even up above you, right? Like, learn. But, but that's not necessarily bad, right? Because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They were learners. They were learners. A great quote uh, from a pastor at Saddleback Church. Leaders are learners. I heard that, that um, phrase early in my uh, ministry career, and I just love it. Leaders are learners. We should be those who say, we always have something to learn. Even with people that I disagree with, I, I always think in conversations, what do I have to learn in this moment? Right? People who uh, are far brighter than me, right? I go, what do I have to learn in this moment? People that, that are less schooled than I am, what do I have to learn in this moment? People from different socioeconomic backgrounds, what do I have to learn in this moment? What do we have to learn from each other? And what do we have to learn from this word, right? Uh, and you know me, I'm, I'm hardcore on this. Like, this will change, this book will change your life. Okay? I'm not overselling it. I promise you, I'm not overselling it. This book will change your life. If in 2019, you committed yourself to reading this book more, it would have an effect on you. If you would commit yourself to learning from this book, it would have a direct result on your life. There's not a facet of life that is not covered in this book. There's not a situation, there's not, there's not some sort of thing that doesn't get covered in some way, shape, or form in this book. It's comprehensive, the Word of God. We actually believe, if we, if you go to this church and you buy into what we say, we believe that God actually speaks through this book. The Word of God, it says, is living and active like a double-edged sword. The word there actually is scalpel because it's meant to do heart surgery on you, not chop a limb off, okay? Right? And so it's supposed to make a difference on your life. We're supposed to learn. And this early church, they did what we're doing this morning. They sat there, they opened these, they had conversation, and they learned, and they learned, and they learned. We're doing good at that. Number two. Uh, they liked to eat together. This is like one of my favorites. I'm going to be honest with you. They were learning. They were eating. Isn't this funny? So it says it multiple times in the passage, which means it's making a point, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Hop down to 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Um, one part of that is that once a month we do communion here, right? We ended last, uh, last week with communion, right? Communion, the word in itself, it harkens to that word community, does it not, right? Communion, community, right? And so we gather around this common union of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and His body and His blood represented for us to nourish us and to remind us that we are those who are forgiven and free, right? And so we do that about once a month here at Big Sky Christian Fellowship, but can we go further than that? These folks in this story got together to eat together all the time, right? It says every day they got together in the temple courts, and then they went and broke bread in their homes, right? So this is fun, right? We as a church... To experience more community, you should eat more together, right? This is great. 
You should be going, who can I invite over for lunch today? Right? You should go, hey, I, I go to work, I go to buy word of mouth every week. I go to buy one every week after this. Who can I invite to buy word of mouth? Right? Who can we go out with? Who can we break bread with? Who can we sit around a table with? See, Jesus, man, he loves sitting around tables. He did. The Last Supper, sitting around a table, right? Um, he's sitting after he's resurrected on the shoreline. And guess what he's wanting to do? Eat some fish with the disciples. He's like, hey, catch some fish so we can make some breakfast here, guys. Okay? Like he wants to eat together. Do you know what the picture in Revelation is of the kingdom of God? It's a big, huge banquet table. A wedding feast where we all get a seat and we get to eat and break bread together with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus is all about eating too, right? So they're learning. They're eating. Taste and see that the Lord is good. They're worshiping. They're worshiping. So they're praying and they're praising. Verse 47, they're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And in verse 42, they broke bread and prayed, right? So they're worshiping and they're worshiping um, on resurrection day. So some of you wonder, why, why, why don't we have church on Saturday, right? Because that was actually Sabbath for Jewish folks. Well, on the first day of the week, that's when Jesus rose from the grave. And, and so uh, in early church history, there was a shift that happened where they said, "We listen, we are here to celebrate not a dead Savior. We're here to celebrate a live Savior who rose on the first day of the week. So that's how we're going to start our week. We're going to gather around the risen Savior together on Sunday mornings, and we're going to set our week upon that with worship, right? We're going to worship. And not only is worship singing and praying, worship, Romans would say, is offering your whole self, your body as a living sacrifice, that this then is your act of worship. And so they were worshiping together. Number four, they were giving together. They were giving together. They were generous they were crazy generous. This is, this is really interesting, right? So verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Can, can you imagine how radical that is? Like, can you, like, let's be honest, right? If I would say, hey, here's what we're going to do, church, this year. We're going to buy some property, okay? We're going to sell everything we have. We're going to sell it all. We're going to big gold bank account. We're going to buy this huge property somewhere up in North Montana. I found it, right? And it's got, it's got streams, and it's got everything we need, and we're going to go live there together in community. You would be like, yeah, I, I've heard of those. The, <laughs> right? You'd be like, don't drink the Kool-Aid. That's what you'd be saying, right? Right? That's what you'd be saying. But that's what they were doing. Isn't that crazy? It's so radical. It's just so incredibly radical if you read this the way it's meant to be read. Were, were they selling everything and giving to each other? Yeah, they were. Like, they were uncommonly generous. I mean, can you imagine being around a community like that? A community that you go... Man, I don't ever have to worry about paying a bill again. Like, we'll figure it out. I don't have to worry about that medical expense. I don't have to worry uh, about... I heard somebody talking this morning about a car breaking down. Like, I don't have to worry about that because my church is going to take care of me. They were living that. 
How cool is that? Tom Jurgens, you um, came, I'm picking on you. You came to church and you're not going to be here for a little while, so I figured last Sunday that you're here and I'm going to pick on you a little bit. You came to our elders uh, board, um, what, two weeks ago or three weeks ago or something like that, um, with a proposal. Because um, if you look at our bank account, it's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's chunky, we'll call it, right? Um, it's, it's, too, it's too big. And, and here's what, what has happened, and I, I just want to be open and honest with you guys about this, because I think it's important for us to live this way, right? So um, when I got here, um, here's just some numbers. I think we had around 60000 in the bank account, something like that, in our reserves or what you call them. We just have them in a checking account. Um, our, I think our budget was around 112, 120 maybe, something like that, right, for our budget. Um, and uh, since then, our checking account has grown to right around $300,000 in the last four years, which is substantial. That's like crazy. Um, and we've, we've made our budget every single year and then some, which is why we have the 300000 right? Which means like we've spent significantly, like right at our budget or less than our budget, and we've been given significantly more than that every single year. And so that's gone into this checking account, and we've all sat around going, what are we going to do with this? Like, this is awesome, but like, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do with this? And so we've actually tried to be very aggressive, right? We hired, uh, we've hired Nielsen full time as a second pastoral staff. That's a big expense. And every year that rolls over, right? Like it's not, it's, it's not a one-time thing. So that's part of the budget. We have hired militia, right? And we've had an admin. When it got here, it was just me and then me. So that was like it. And so we've got militia and we've got Nielsen. Um, and then we've tried to engage in ministries at a higher level. Uh, we we have a needs fund where we give $5,000 uh, straight away to Love Inc., which is love in the name of Christ in the Gallatin Valley. And then we actually reserve 5000 of that uh, just for needs. So, and this is for, for us. If you this year in 2019, you have somebody that you know, and they have something that's really crippling them, like so, like they got a bill they can't pay or, or something going on that they really need some help, we have a needs fund of $5,000 for this year. And I think we'd actually go above and beyond that, no problem. Um, it, it, to help out the people in our community. And, and, and here's the point of talking about these numbers. I want you to know that I'm committing to being generous. And Tom Jurgens came in and said, you're essentially, I'm, put, I'm tweaking what you said a little bit. We're not being generous enough, church, which is, which is good. It's true. There's a big, a lot of big question marks about expansion of this building. Like we're running out of seats and that's a great problem. Um, but some of those things will, will figure them, themselves out as we go, right? And we still have this big old number in the bank. And, and Jesus says something about leaving your money in places where moth and rust destroy. And we don't want to be those guys. We don't want to be that church, right? And so, uh, Tom put before us about a hundred thousand dollar plan to give away a hundred thousand dollars we could still have 200 sitting around right so we've probably maybe maybe have to give away double that but um a vision for uganda and giving more to the uganda orphans fund a vision for digging a well and sending a team to go dig a well a vision for um feeding uh the the hungry around the world through something called feed my starving children and then um also some opportunities even within the community here in the food bank um to engage in more generous ways in church i just want you to know that we're committed to being generous we 
it feels like we woke up and then there's this big number of money in our account. And it's not because we have not been prayerfully considering what do we do with that. In fact, if you have ideas like Tom did, please come and talk to me. Please come and talk to Taylor and, and those on the elder board because we want to talk about it. It's God's money anyway, right? It's not our money. That's what they understood in this, right? They were generous because they knew they'd been given much. So what, what should they do? Well, they should give much. That's what they should do. And we know this too. And I want you to know, church, we're going to commit to being giving this year. Number five, it was ongoing. Here's what you need to read, right? So they said every day they continued to meet together. Every day. So just read here. Not just Sunday. Okay? The average church attender goes to church 1.7 times a month. Just newest, latest stat out of the Pew uh, Research Center. 1.7, okay? That's not every day. I mean, it's not even close, right? So every day, they were ongoing. They were committed to one another. And, and they didn't need church services to do it. And neither do you. Neither do you. You can invite somebody over to your house anytime you want to. You can take this book and go, hey, do you know this book? I, I have a hard time with it. Do you have a hard time with it? And you guys can sit down with somebody and go, hey, let's study it together. There's never been more resources for you uh, than now, ever. The, the, I mean, it, if you need help with that, come talk to me. I can send you a thousand resources, right? That can be helpful in your Bible study, right? So you don't need my permission to do that. You don't need my permission to pray. You don't, I don't have a professional prayer degree. I'm telling you that. I don't. Surprise, surprise, right? Like, I, I just have a, I have a master's in, in Christian theology. That's it, right? Which means we're either doing this or flipping burgers. It's just one or the other, right? But listen, you don't need my permission to go pray. You don't need my permission to go worship. You don't need to call me or email me to say, can we start a life group? Start one! Start one! You don't need, you don't need me for that. You can call me and say, hey, I'm starting a life group. I would love for you to announce it in church. And I'll say, all right, let's do it, right? You don't need my permission. Don't wait on my permission. Don't, don't do that. You are the, we are the church. I'm not the church. The building's not the church. We are the church. And we should be meeting together beyond Sunday number six, growing. We do the greatest baptism service ever, I think. Um, it's, it's so cool. Every single summer down at the river where we baptize new believers into the faith. It's just one of those weeks where I'm like, this is what Jesus wants the church to be, right? And we've gotten to see that over and over and over again. I look around and seeing faces of people that I baptized just this summer, right? And God is adding to us... Um, daily those who are being saved and 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 that's just honestly i think a result of all the other stuff in that list right i mean they're they're together and they're learning they're together and they're eating they're together and they're worshiping they're together and they're giving they're together and it's ongoing they're together and obviously they're going to be growing if all those things are going like that and here's the heart of this passage. The heart of this passage is this. They were devoted to it. So, verse 42. They devoted themselves. 
They devoted themselves. Definition of devotion is this. Love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for someone or something. But here's what I would say. Devotion is much less defined and more accurately seen. Does that make sense? Like if you followed me around for the next week, you could get a pretty good idea about what are the things that Brian is devoted to and what things isn't he devoted to. Right? And I could tell you that I'm devoted to certain things, but the reality is, if you would see my life, then you would actually know whether my words meant anything. Right? Whether, whether my actual devotion was what I said my devotion actually was. And, 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 and this group of people, their hearts were in it. They were devoted to a common unity around Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior. That's as simple as it gets in that our church. We just say it like this, right? We, the church, say... Big Sky Christian Fellowship is about passionately following Jesus together. I mean, that is, that is all-encompassing in my opinion, right? Passionately following Jesus together. We are devoted to this. We are loyal to this. We love this. And so the question, the question is, what will I be devoted to in 2019? What will I devote myself to in 2019? Because my hope would be that you would be devoted to one another. And if you're sitting around going, well, wait a minute, but okay, I, I get it. Am I going to start a life group? Here's what I want to end. I want to talk just for a brief moment uh, with a few of you. Because I want to talk to you about some community opportunities. So, um, Nielsen, talk to us about some community opportunities coming up in 2019 for your middle school and high school. So, uh, middle school groups uh, will be starting So where else can they find you? They can come talk to you right now because we're, we're a small little church. We can go talk to them right after the church, right? If you got questions, go find them. Text, whatever you want. You're on Instagram, Facebook, for your parents, for the parents, not for the kids. Snapchat, right? Okay, good. Perfect. Awesome. Good. Good. Uh, and 20s and 30s. Yeah, so that's Tuesday nights. Perfect, 20s and 30s. Okay, awesome, good. Um, Caitlin, talk to me. So I run the young adults uh, women's group, so that's going to be for 20s and 30s uh, women. They will be starting on January 21st. We're going to be going through Lisa Turkhurst's study, um, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And we will start the first session is going to be at uh, base camp, and then the location will probably move after that, and we have a better idea of how many are wanting to join. Uh, but yes, it's 20s and 30s, but we have engaged single married moms the whole gamut, and we all really learn from each other, so please, I encourage you to come to it. Um, it'll be every other Monday starting January 21st at 6.30 p.m., so if you're going to do the women's Bible study, it's the opposite Monday if you look at the dates, so it works out well, actually. 
and uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and come find me after the service if you have any questions. Perfect, thank you. And the other one you're mentioning is Cami Weber's. I don't think Cami's here. Cami, are you here? Cami's here. So, Cami, we had her in uh, your bulletin. So, you can email her. Um, that's Read Through the Bible in One Year. And that's also Women's Study. One more Women's Study. Krista, what do you got for us? Um, we have starting Tuesday, January 22nd, I believe, mon- uh, mornings, 9 to 10 in Base Camp as well. We're going to study. Um, Priscilla Schreiber, I think that's Schreier. 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 There you go. Sorry. It's good. Good uh, enough. Concerning the voice of God and how to recognize when God is speaking to you. Um, and to kick that off, we're going to have a ladies' outing at Kirsten King's house on January 17th, so Thursday evening. Gourmet Gals is um, generously offered to supply the goodies. So um, feel free to check in with me if you have any questions. Cool. Krista, Caitlin, Nielsen, who else did we... Okay, we got somebody else. Chad, Chad, Bama. Talk to me about Bama. So, you can start that back out, right? Yeah. Okay. Times and dates to be decided. The men's group listening to a podcast called the Bama Podcast that goes through the Bible from um, an Easter perspective. So it's, it's just a whole new view on who our God is and community and all that stuff. Good. Um, yeah. And so we just need to discuss what we listen to that week. Cool, I love that. Podcast. This is so dude, right? I'm going to listen to a podcast and maybe talk about it. That's awesome, okay. Um, uh, so you haven't picked out dates exactly yet, right? You guys are on break. Okay, so dates, when, when we get them, we'll, we'll let you know. But you can go talk to Chad right now and get on the email list so that Chad can contact you and get you signed up. Lastly, we have these things called life groups. Did I miss anybody? I think I got everybody. Um, lastly, yo. Worship Wednesdays. Worship Wednesdays. We don't have dates on that yet? No dates on that yet. Okay. Worship Wednesdays, like down by the river. Love it. Worship Wednesdays. All right. Last one. Cool. Uh, Man, we got all kinds of... See? This is awesome. All right? Lastly, we got life groups. Um, So here's the thing. In um, March, we're going to be getting a study on the book of 1 Corinthians, which is written to a church in the town of Corinth. It's the first letter to these people in Corinth. And so uh, Paul writes to them about all kinds of stuff going on in their church community. So it's going to be a super community-oriented series. And what we're hoping to do in that series is start some life groups. So if you would like to be a part of leading a life group, uh, we'll be launching some really short-term life groups there just for you to get a kind of a taste of it between March and Easter. So there's only, I think, six weeks in there. And we'll say, hey, get together three or four times in between March 1st and Easter. Uh, and you'll be just studying what we do every week on the back of the uh, bulletin. There's discussion questions. And it's as simple as getting together and saying, hey, um, that was not his best sermon, right? So, um, <laughs> no, just having a great discussion around that. So lots of opportunities. Um, some have been created for you. And you are the church, so create some yourself. You don't need my permission, okay? Let's make this year, 2019, a year of great community. We are the church. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church family. Thank you that um, we have this common unity that is you. That we are your hands, we are your feet. 
that we are your visible presence in this world. And thank you, God, uh, that we have been given to one another. Thanks for every single person in this room and for what you're going to do with them this year and for how you want to connect them in this year and for how you want to create more and more common unity amongst us all. We thank you for this in advance. And we ask that you'd make it come to life in Jesus' name.